Hey y'all, this is Confidently Free. And Mr. Cornerstone. And you are listening to another episode of the Becoming, Becoming One Podcast. Hey guys, so this is episode 11. Yeah, and it'll be pretty quick. This is just a check-in for us. We're just here to kind of, just to, to keep some transparency with y'all, just so y'all know how we're doing with everything going on. So to keep with the trend of the episodes, I'm going to go ahead and hit you all with a quote. This is a quote that says, the child who is not embraced by the village will burn it down to feel its warmth. That is an African proverb. And it's the truth because, you know, uh, you see it in families. You see it where the, you know, the son, you know, feels like he's been rejected or not wanted by the father. Um, and then he just doesn't care what happens to the father after that. So the biggest example I can think of, and this might sound cheesy, but I think of the the movie, the black Panther. Yeah. When you have, um, Killmonger or, uh, T'Challa going head to head and you see how, and you see how, um, they were both treated as far as their upbringing and how T'Challa, you know, he was embraced by the culture and the people. And then you have Killmonger, who was kind of the outcast because he wasn't necessarily accepted based on his circumstances coming into the world. So, right. Yeah. Right. So um, we're just going to say how, you know, each other are feeling and uh, just full transparency. This is our second time going through this. We recorded one and it was you know, I'll start. Mm-hmm. You want me to start? Mm-hmm. So with everything going on, um, and I'm still trying to speak to, we were transparent, but it just wasn't really coherent thoughts, which I think is understandable with the time right now. Um, but we're going to try this again. So our, our couples and are married folk, but me specifically, the husbands, fathers, or boyfriends, you know, the men, uh, part of it. Um, that's who I'm trying to specifically speak to now is that I hear y'all brothers. Um, to, it's, it's a hard and rough time for us right now, especially having seen George killed in that manner. Uh, it's not something new that it's something that we're actually used to. Uh, we're not, uh, callous to it. We're not, you know, numb to it. I don't believe because, you know, we see it and it's still, you know, beyond aggravation. It still pisses us off. You know, it's still something that we hate. And I believe that, uh, every black man that saw that, or I haven't talked to many of my white friends right now. Uh, but the people that I have talked to, they, all of them said the same thing is that they saw themselves on that ground. And that's, that's how I felt when I saw it. Monet didn't watch it. Right. Yeah. I didn't watch the video. Yeah. Monet didn't watch it. But, uh, I, when I saw it, I felt as though I saw myself, um, I've had in my lifetime, I've had the cops pull a gun on me like four times. Yeah. Four times. I've had the cops pull a gun on me. Um, all of which were, suspected regions of matching some type of description. And uh, in my mind and in reality, you know that that situation can go left pretty quickly. 
And in my mind, when I was there, you know, it was like, okay, this, this could be over. Um, luckily I'm still here. Thank God I'm still here. Uh, prayerfully I'm still here and I have more time. Uh, but when, when you're dealing with situations, situations like this, we have a, a split society where some are up in arms about the riots and things of that nature. And it's, 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 I don't want to say it's okay to be split with everything, but it's okay to have difference of opinions because we all need each other. And what I mean by that is, you know, right now people are throwing up a lot of Martin Luther King, um, but Martin Luther King needed Malcolm just as much as Malcolm needed Martin Luther King. While it may seem that the uh, way of going about things are different, they both want the same goal. So if Martin isn't working, which is the way that we have been doing it, we've been kneeling, we've been making shirts, we've been protesting at different rallies, we've had rallies, we've been at churches, we've talked to the media, uh, there's podcasts after podcasts, we're on the radio, it's in sports, it's in the schools, you know, it's everywhere, it's something that we just can't get away from, and yet nothing seems to be happening. So then it's Malcolm comes up or Malcolm comes in and say, okay, if you won't listen to Martin, then you have me to deal with. So now, uh, you're left with the voice of the unheard, which is riots. And it's not something that people wanted, but it, it's, it's what we're left with. If you tell us that you're not going to listen to us by your actions and then you, you leave it at that, then you're left with us to say, okay, we'll make you listen to us. And that's, that's where people are at. Say, okay, if, if money is the only thing that you care about, if your business is the only thing that you care about and, and you're willing to watch me die in front of your business, then, then let's see what you do when this business gets messed up. And that's where people are at with it. Um, I'm, I've, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough situation to be in. It's a tough thing to kind of articulate, but, uh, I'm going to keep trying. I, I'm not against the riots because I, I'm honestly, I believe the two sides of the same coin because when you have the riots, you can also put an emphasis on well, we tried all of this, you know, and we can say, well, if you don't want the riots, then let's fix what we've been trying to fix. Let's get to the bottom of this. My only concern is that afterwards, will there be seven more uh, demons, if you will, in the place of the one, you know, that guy and his conviction, you know, it, whatever it is, if nothing changes with the system, then seven more will take his place. And, you know, that's a, a biblical concept that when a demon is cast out, it will leave only to return home, seeing that his home is clean and invite seven more. So uh, that's what I don't want to happen is that we're hurt more in the end than when it started. So uh, that's where I'm at. I'm in. I, I feel as though this is what well, this was the next step. You know, people are tired of being hunted. 
people are tired of being murdered. When that, when George was murdered in the street, his, his wife came out and said, well, he got rid of one more. Well, she said she, he took one less black man off the street, basically saying that he got rid of, uh, one, one black person, you know, one less one that she or he has to think about. And if, th- if that's what his wife is saying, I guarantee that's what he said as well. Is this the police officer? This wife? is the police officer's wife. And he took one, he took a black man off the street and she doesn't have an issue with that. And this is, these are things that we've been saying forever that there's racism in the, the police force that the Klansmen didn't take off their, well, they, they didn't do anything but change their uniforms from white hoods to, you know, blue shirts. You know, that's, that's, we've, people have been saying that for a long time. And then we say, well, we're, we're told, well, there's not enough evidence to convict this person. There's not enough evidence to say that this person is what it is. And this officer has been involved in multiple killings within the last decade. Multiple killings. Yet he was still there. And we have been looked at as crazy as if we were just, you know, far out there conspiracy theorists. But we see this and we know that everyone else sees it, too. And these these. These these individuals. Who have been killed. George Floyd. Ahmaud Arbery, these brothers that have been killed are the ones that got attention. Right? There's many more. And when you see it over and over again, uh, and you say that you're being hunted in the street and nothing happens, then this is the next step. I don't think that I have to go into how you feel as a man. Um, because I believe we're on the same page. Well, I'll, I'll say it. I'll, I'll just say it. Uh, there's a fear aspect in it because you, you want to be there for your family. Uh, but I believe that we're past fear at this point. You want to be there for your family. You want to be able to walk down your street without feeling like you have to walk, look over your shoulder at, at every turn. Uh, you want to be able to greet people, you know, with the same respect that you want to be greeted and respected in. Uh, without having to feel as though your family is being or could be hunted at any minute, because not only are you looking out for dangerous uh, seeming people, but you're looking out for people who are in regular clothes, the same as you, that look the same, or not even look the same, but that are in regular civilian clothing and can murder you at any second and get away with it. You're looking out for all these things. So there's a fear aspect of it. But right now we're we're beyond that and we want change. Uh, I would say that to to the fathers, to the to the men of the community, uh, continue to be strong, continue to be who you are. Don't be afraid to bring children into this world. Uh, That 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 is something that we don't want, something that we don't need. Uh, Our our children will be the the answers. Our children will be great uh and we should not be afraid to bring children into this world but i will say to continue to lead with courage continue to lead uh with strength 
will show our, our children how to be strong, how to love themselves in their community, their brothers and sisters, how to care for each other and find some way y'all to get some therapy. Uh, we all need a hug, some help, some support. So, uh, don't, don't hide your emotions, emotions. Don't run away from how you feel, but acknowledge it, deal with it and keep going. That's why I feel this isn't over. This isn't over. And uh, I believe in the end, things will be better. I will. I refuse to give up hope for us. I will always have hope for us. I'll always try to fight for us. So you have my support and, you know, whatever way I can give it, you know, I don't, I don't really know what else to, <laughs> to say about it besides, you know, we have to stick together and we have to be there for one another and we can't give up. Our children need us. Our families need us. The community needs us. This world needs us. So keep going. Keep fighting. Don't, don't, don't let up. Let's cause some real, let's get some real change out of it though. Respect, respect people. And I don't want to, I don't want to come off as saying that the, the looting and, and everything is the, is the best way, but it's what we have right now. And looting is a part of, riots it always has been so i'm not going to act as though this is something new and this is just what people want it's it's a part of riots it's been a part of many protests over history just like you know there's casualties of war there's casualties in protests and riots but this is the option that we are kind of left with and we're going to fight this on the, the spiritual side, but we have a physical presence as well. So that's how, that's how I'm feeling right now. Well, for me, um, I think my biggest frustration is not really knowing what route to take in terms of being able to effectively teach the kids on what to look for to just kind of mean what to look for well okay so we can talk back and look back in history about how back during the civil rights movement you know people would peacefully do protests sit-ins um just marching um and just you know trying to do what they could within their power to make a statement and then you had people who were very overt in their tactics to be hateful and demeaning to these people with sit-ins they would literally pour like hot coffee on people during marches you would see people get dogs let on them or you would see people get sprayed with hydrants right. very overt signs of racism very overt signs of prejudice you could see these things it was very obvious and it's just like over the years there's just been there's just been this transition to this covertness of racism that people don't acknowledge. And so without this, I guess, sense of a sense across the board on what that looks like, because for some people, 
the covert stuff is like, oh no, that's just how they are. Then, oh no, they didn't really mean that. Or, oh, well, you know, sometimes older people say these things. And we catch it and we see it. We do. (laughs) But it's like, how do you... Racial profiling was, was very obvious back then in the sense of they would call you the name straight to your face until you get out of their store versus now you might just be followed around the store and then somebody might try to play the card of, oh, you know, I was just waiting to see if you needed my help. Right. And it's just stuff like that or uh, like hiring discrimination. And, you know, when you bring light to your situation, everyone wants to do that. But what about me type of thing? And I think that's what kind of got us here. Like is that nobody's listening. Like we're saying that that's here and no one's listening to it. With Even with the whole all lives matter, this is my thing. And I will forever use this as an example. For someone to say that black lives matter and someone's rebuttal to that is, well, technically all lives matter. You're not going to go to someone's funeral, interrupt the eulogy, steal the microphone and say, yeah, well, you know, I lost someone important to me too. We should talk about and acknowledge them too. I'm hurting too. Right. No one finds that appropriate. No one finds that okay. No one thinks that that is socially acceptable. Yet and still, when a group of people bring attention to their hurting, when a group of people bring attention to their ill treatment, and when a group of people vocalize that they matter and are important, other people feel the need to rush in and say, well, I'm important too. Okay, well, you're not hurting right now. You haven't been oppressed. You're not going through this right now. You don't get to interrupt my grieving and my rally cry. You don't get to do that. And so it's like, how do we go about teaching them how to navigate through this when it's so slick, when people do things that are just so sly or so like backhanded or even just... Just the small things that they might not catch that we have to then explain to them, but that don't look evil in their eyes per se. And I'm not saying that we have like the answers to this or anything. Yeah, I'm just saying that's what I'm frustrated about. Yeah, I just wanted to point out that being just as parents, right? Mm -hmm. Like just being in their lives as I think is that has to be the best way Mm -hmm. because we're involved. Yeah, like when TJ. TJ is like a, a low key snitch. He is. So if you tell him, <laughs> if you tell him something, he's gonna tell us. Yeah. And like I, was, I said this many times before. I'm not gonna lie to TJ, right? Or any of the other two beautiful young daughters that I have in this yeah. house. I'm not gonna lie to them. So if somebody's being racist or has racist tendencies, whether that's a grown person. Or one of their friends. Mm -hmm. If their friends are showing racist tendencies, I'm going to tell them. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not hiding this thing. Mm -hmm. I'm going, you know, we can point this out to them because we see it and we know that we're not crazy. Mm -hmm. We know it's there. And I was going to talk to TJ this. I'm sorry. You know, it's just like I cut you off a little bit. No, it's fine. But I was going to talk to TJ this week. Because I feel as though I need to have a father-son conversation with him about racism. Mm -hmm. But I I really don't want to have that conversation right now. Yeah. 
it's like he's walking around with this little glimmer of hope that just rests in his heart. And it's like, well, the reality of life is I'm going to have to tone that down a little bit. I don't even think that he'll be able to really comprehend it. He won't be able to comprehend it to the degree in which it would be impactful. He'll understand what you're saying, but it won't be, he won't be able to literally apply it. So if you explain to him that sometimes people might feel like you're a bad person or might feel a certain type of way about you just because of the way that you look and just because of the color of your skin, I don't know if he mentally would be in the place to understand that it's not all people or even how to explain it to all people or or not explain it to all people, but kind of how to decipher what person and why these people and what have they, like he wouldn't be able to distinguish. Mm-hmm. And so to say a person, okay, well, he doesn't know what that means to him. That could literally be anybody. Right. So I don't know. It's just hard and it's frustrating because even having to explain to him at some point um, how to handle encounters, like there is no clear cut way to explain to our kids how you should interact with the police to keep yourself safe. There is no blueprint. If there ever was one, there's not one anymore. We can tell him to be polite, to be articulate, to make eye contact, to not, you know, make any sudden movements, to do everything that he's told. And even still in 2020, that is not enough. An officer is able to be nervous and grab for, you know, put put their hand on the holster of their gun to protect themselves. But somebody who is in a car or walking or doing anything else who might be stopped, they have to remain calm. They can't make any sudden movements. They can't have shaky hands. They can't be nervous because then it's like, well, if you're innocent, if if you have nothing to hide, what is there to be nervous about? But an officer has that right to have that bit of humanity that nervous tendency to shake a little bit, to to make a mistake in the moment. Yeah, they can't expect more restraint out of a civilian with, you know, armed or not, than a person who is a trained police officer. But they do. They do. There was an officer, I don't even remember what the situation was, but they grabbed their gun instead of their taser and killed somebody. Yep. When I was in college... And this is just one of the situations when I was in college, uh, there was a time where me and my boy were uh, studying late at the library and we had just been out there all day. So now we're tired. We're headed back to the apartment. And, you know, soon, literally as soon as we get off campus, we're pulled over. And when I'm tired, I'm I'm irritated. Mm-hmm. And I know that everything on the car is cool. So that irritated me even more. So he comes to the window and he's, you know, just goes straight into a license and registration. And I'm like, what'd you put me over for? And I'm irritated. Mm-hmm. So you can hear it in my voice. And my boy was like, hey, uh, calm down. Chill, chill. Mm-hmm. And I was like, nah, what did you pull me over for? He said, he just said license and registration now. I said, I don't care what you're saying. What did you pull me over for? And then at that point, he grabs his gun. He takes it out the holster and he points it at the car. Right. And he's 
And he said, license and registration. Uh, there's he's t- something about an investigation. He was investigating something, which I knew was BS. Because my dad got me the car. You know, I had the car. No, the car wasn't reported, reported stolen. I, got, I wasn't speeding. I literally <laughs> was coming from the library on campus. So I go ahead and I handle my stuff. And he's like, man, you need to chill, chill. You know, this guy's about to kill us. He's about to shoot us. And it was just something in my mind where I was just like, man, if he was going to shoot us, he was, he's going to do it anyway. And I think that that's, that's kind of where some people get to is like, I'm tired of being pulled over. Like that's just one of the instances where it's like, I'm tired of being pulled over. I'm tired of being, you know, targeted. You know, you're, you're in the store and the security guard follows you around. You ask them if there's a problem. He says, no, I'm just making sure you're keeping your nose clean. What are you, what are you talking about? I'm in the store buying stuff. Mm-hmm. But anyway, going back to that same story. So the cop comes back to the car and gives me uh, my license and stuff. And I asked him again, what did you pull me over for? And he says, well, your car was dirty. And usually when people have dirt on their cars, he's talking about the outside. There was some dirt on the, like the door of mm-hmm. the car. He said, and usually when people have dirt on the cars, it means that they've stolen it. So apparently the car was a little too nice for the person driving it. And that's why he pulled me over. And for them, that's suspicion. That's suspicion enough for us to be pulled over. And it, it, it can literally go just like that, where somebody sees dirt on your car and it goes from you driving, you know, with a little bit of, and, it, and when he says dirt, I mean, it's just like, not mm-hmm. yeah, just a no, yeah, yeah, just from you driving, right? And it can go from you having washed your car recently to now you're you're gone, you're gone because you didn't go to the car wash, or because your license plate was a little loose, mm-hmm. or your tint was a little too dark, or you have a light out. Or you looked at them and they think that because you looked at them, there's something wrong. I've been driving where, you know, a car will just, they, a car, a police car will come up behind the car and it feels as though they're within inches and they take the, you know, that light that they have, that extremely bright Mm -hmm. spotlight and they shine it all through the car. Not saying anything. They just shine it through. They're still in their car, you know, just looking inside. Then they take off. So it can literally happen just like that. Mm-hmm. And people are sick of it. And that's, that's where we're at with it. People are sick of it. They're sick of being, they're sick of being persecuted and hunted. Like, I, I feel like for me, I'm at the point where if I were to get pulled over again, I feel like I have to go out of my way to ask the officer, do you feel nervous or threatened right now? Because then that directs how I'm able to um, engage in the situation. Like, I feel like I need to ask them how they're doing so that I can know how I need to respond. If you're nervous, all right, cool. Well, I'm going to just sit here. I ain't touching nothing. I ain't reaching for nothing. I'm not grabbing for nothing. But that's not right. 
It's not. <laughs> I don't have I don't have time to be your therapist and figure out how you're doing. You should you you don't need to ask them how they're doing at all. I know I don't need to. I don't need to. However, that at least puts me in a position where I can at least gauge where you're at. The likelihood of me getting shot. The likelihood of you pulling a gun on me. I don't think doing that will help. It might not. I don't know. There's a lot of unknowns. Who knows? Who knows? But at the end of the day, it's just as a mom. But this is the world we're living in right now. This this is America in 2020. And I'm sick of it. I just feel like my kids definitely don't need this world and everything that's in it, all the bad that's in it, but this world definitely needs them and everything that they bring to it and they have to offer and all of the gifts and the talents and everything that is inside of them, all of the good that is inside of them, all of the good that they can do. And it sucks. It definitely feels like it's not a fair or an even exchange. Yeah. How else are you feeling? Uh, or what else are you feeling? Well, in terms of the riots and whatnot it's just so annoying that we're trying to i don't even think we're trying anymore but i think for a long time we were trying to find out what the correct combination of actions would be that's appropriate for us to say we feel oppressed please hear us and just over the course of time it seems like everything that we've ever tried to do it's in the news, it's talked about for a moment, and then it dies down, and then nobody cares anymore until somebody else gets hurt. And I really don't think that we care anymore. Like, as a, as a, as a people, like I don't think Black people care anymore in terms of trying to make other people comfortable with hearing us. Mm-hmm. There have been a combination of things tried and tried and tried and tried and tried, and everybody has tried. And and with every single thing we've attempted, somebody has an issue with something. Kneeling is not appropriate because, oh, now you're disrespecting the flag. Saying, you know, I can't breathe. Oh, now people have issues with the t-shirts. You're literally going to have an issue with anything we do. Right. So, so now that people are rioting and there's money involved because businesses are being destroyed. And I'm not saying that it's okay to tear up these mom and pop shops. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is, yeah, the local businesses, I think to a degree, there's probably a lot of mixed feelings by those business owners, because I think some people probably completely understand why somebody will be pushed to this breaking point of destroying things. I mean, how many times are you going to let somebody punch you in the face before getting upset that they're not being held accountable for their behavior? Right. At some point, you're going to start swinging back. And so... I do feel for these mom and pop local businesses. I think the bigger picture, though, is the fact that people who have been feeling oppressed have finally snapped again. Mm-hmm. And so because this is not it's not like this is the first time people have rioted and set stuff on fire or looted. But hold on now. We're doing this. Well, not we're because we haven't been anywhere ourselves, but. As a as a community, black people are doing this and speaking out and, and trying to be heard. And people are upset with the burnings and the the destruction. But when a big sports team loses and people tear up that town. Or wins. Or wins. And people tear up that town. I feel like the same feeling of disgust is not applied there as it's being applied here. And that is part of what my problem is. 
you don't apply that same standard of deemable behavior across the board. This is deemed as okay. This is deemed as not okay. And people keep saying, well, it's not going to bring him back. It's not going to bring anybody back. It's we're, not going to solve the problem. <laughs> exactly. It's not going to solve the problem. Rioting and burning things is, is not, the intention is not to solve anything. That is not the intention. And if you think that that's the point, if you think that that is the intention, you are sorely misled. The entire a, a, a point behind it is to be seen and to be heard. Because it's a result of not being heard. Because mm-hmm. they've, they've tried to get attention. They've tried to, for people to listen. You know, it's a result of not being heard. It's a result of being abused. This is a result. You know, it's people allowing themselves to be angry or whatever they're feeling. And this is a result. So it's, it's part of the equation of change though. And that's what I want us to keep in mind. You know, uh, I guess this was a normal length podcast. We're already at 34 minutes. Yeah. But even, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I just want to point out to, you know, to those that are against the looting or, you know, of course, stealing is wrong, you know, but to those that are against the riots and, you know, everything that comes along with it, if you're against it, I want you to understand that it's a part of the equation of change. And it always has been, Mm -hmm. it always has been a part of the equation of change, the peaceful solutions, as well as the violent solutions all work together to change what needs to be changed. And to talk about what you mentioned earlier, there are two different sides, the whole two different sides of the same coin. Yeah. When you think about the looting and, and, and the rioting, that's the kind of like the Malcolm X side of the coin. If you, yeah. If you want to. Right. You know, on the other side of the coin, when you think about how people have been protesting, now we talked, or I mentioned earlier about how people don't pay attention until you start messing with their money. Right. Even if you think of all the way back to the civil rights movement, when they were boycotting, riding the buses, who was losing money? The government was, the city was, because they weren't getting paid because black people wasn't riding the buses. Right. Now you messing with our money. Oh, okay, let's pay attention to them. Let's see what they got to say. So, I mean, even like going way back, way, way back, this isn't necessarily um, something that black people did, but even way back when the quote unquote country was founded or whatever, um, even though we when ain't gonna go there. Stolen. stolen. The whole no taxation without representation. We not gonna pay you until you hear us. Right. Messing with our money. Boston Tea Party. People always talk about why are they destroying their own town? They threw their own tea in the water at the Boston Tea Party. Messing with the money. And that taxation without representation part is like we're paying part of these salaries of these police officers. Mm-hmm. And they're killing us. Mm-hmm. We're not, we done with that. And so if, if you want to understand better, just follow the dollar, follow the money. And that will explain everything. And if you if you really want to understand, uh, just put yourself in those shoes and it will be hard to do. I understand that. But allow yourself to think for a second that the person that you are judging has feelings as you do because you blow up and have, you know, you do things that you the others may deem as irrational. 
But to you, you have a perfectly good reason. Mm-hmm. And you may have a perfectly good reason. These individuals that are out there have a good reason to be out there. And I don't want you to get everything confused with what you see on the media, but allow yourself to think for a second that the individuals out there are people I was seeing on the news and, you know, they had a bunch of live feeds. You know, people were just calling them animals. These are people. These are people with feelings and emotions and hurts and pains, just like every other person has. And they're getting tired of what's happening. I don't know how many times I've said that, but they're, they're, it's, it's, it, we, we're done with that. We're done with that. And I don't know of any other better way to explain where we're at with things and how we're feeling because it goes a lot deeper than this. So we have, honestly, we have a lot more to say, but we, I don't feel like sitting here all day trying to break down everything. We could go for a long time, but I think we kind of got to the gist of it. And I don't even want to say got to the gist of it, but I think we made enough we of did, a picture. We did a better job speaking and explaining where we are this time than the last time. I don't think last time was bad. I think we just were speaking. We, we were speaking in fragmented pieces of emotion. Right. And it still is. It's just a better picture put together. George Floyd. Ahmaud Arbery. Breonna Taylor. Say their name. 